We didn't get to do a Halloween show. This is our post-Halloween, pre-holiday season, just bullshit fest. Whatever you want to talk about. We could talk briefly about Dune, because that's all I have to say about it. Brief stuff. And what did I just see? Oh, I just saw Ghostbusters Afterlife. So did I. Great. Fantastic. We'll talk about that. Slum, slum, slum. Gullion, slum gullion, we've got season two of the slum gullion, Jeff and Scott's co-host of slum gullion, I still don't know what that word means. Slum gullion, we still got some guests on the slum gullion, we're not showing breasts on the slum gullion, should probably fade on the slum gullion. Hello, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, goodbye to everyone, welcome again to the slum gullion. That's right, we're not dead, shocking for me, I know. My name is Jeff, I'm still homeless and organless, and three hours behind me is still scott he has a beard how you doing scott (laughs) well no one has surgically removed my beard so i guess i'm doing better than you (laughs) and although technically right now i have a bigger beard than you so i'm the alpha male (laughs) oh really what's what's her name uh you don't want to know okay I was, I, oh man, I had so many jokes I couldn't pick the punchline, so I just said, fuck it. <laughs> Sometimes you gotta. Sometimes the punchline's gotta be fuck it. I mean, that's my philosophy, in as much as I have one. Hello, folks. Sorry we haven't been around for a while, but if you've been paying attention to our social media, you know life finds a way. To fuck you up. Are, yes, exactly. <laughs> But we are back at least for a brief time to say, will you stop the fucking Christmas music for at least a few more days, please? Halloween, Scott. The day after Halloween, Christmas music was playing. Yes, because Mary and I went to get our booster shots. Since we're traveling on Thanksgiving, we thought, oh, it'd be a good idea to get that taken care of. Wait, 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 wait. Tell all of our friends where you're traveling to on Thanksgiving, you fucker. (laughs) We are traveling to the Garden Isle, the island of Kauai in the Hawaiian archipelago. We are going to reunite with and see our dear friends, John and Blanche of the new movie crew who we haven't seen in too many years and for far too long. So that's going to be fun, even though flying anywhere on Thanksgiving is not. And while the new movie crew is being reunited, I'll be sitting alone eating ramen noodles. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. He, he's, he can't afford the ramen noodles. It was just a joke. Yeah, I can't afford the ramen noodles right now. <laughs> so we go to this local hospital and there was some sort of conference room where all the hospital employees were set up to get their shots. And very nice woman, mostly used to dealing with medical professionals. So she kind of overexplained what was happening to us. And I, I wanted to tell her, I have been penetrated by needles before. This is not my first needle rodeo, but... We had to sit there for a full 15 minutes after getting the shot to make sure they hadn't accidentally embolized us and we killed over dead or whatever whatever their liability concerns were. And while we sat there, socially distanced on incredibly uncomfortable office chairs, Christmas music was playing. Not good Christmas music, if there is such a thing. And I've never seen any evidence there is. But I mean the worst kind of Christmas music. Out here, there's a station called Coast 104, where dulcet announcers tell you that they're nothing but love songs. Except 
the day after Halloween. Then it's nothing but Christmas music until January first. Well, oh. and I thought I was taking it with good grace, but apparently I had a look on my face that made the woman say, "Oh, you don't like my Christmas music." And Mary's just going, don't get him started, please. Don't mention the Christmas music. Don't talk about the war. So (laughs) I'm well acquainted with this phenomenon. And I'm staying out of grocery stores as much as I possibly can. Because, dear God, it's just just relentless out here. And, you know, we're in the desert. It makes it even more unnecessarily ironic. I'm sure every time you hear, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow, you want to punch someone in the face. Yeah, it's like... Yeah, let it snow, blow me. <laughs> let it snow, blow me. Let it blow. There you go. Anyway, so we do actually have some things to talk about as opposed to random horse shit. Here's some more random horse shit. We have both seen some movies. Let's see here. We can start with Dune. I saw Dune. Scott, you saw Dune, correct? I did see Dune. I tried to give Dune every, every advantage, every benefit of the doubt. Even though I could have watched it on uh, HBO Max, I trucked over to a theater and watched it actually pretty much the same way I would have watched it at home, meaning absolutely alone. There was nobody else in the theater, which was great. That's not optimum for, say, a comedy, but for this kind of thing, it was fine. I don't know where the woos would have been. You know how sometimes there's woo moments in big sci-fi epics? Yeah. I, I didn't I didn't find myself saying woo. I but I'm not the woo guy. Maybe during the extended fight scene, maybe there would be a woo there. You know, when, when Aquaman did his shtick. Yeah, yeah, maybe. But anyway, yes, I, I saw Doom too. And all I'm going to say about Doom is I like the Eternals better. Hmm. Ooh. <laughs> wow. Okay. That's damning. I have no problem with that. Send me your hate. I don't care. Now, again, and I've said this before. I believe you agree with me on this. I am not the audience for Dune, okay? Because I have tried four times to read the book. I have never been able to finish it. The sci-fi miniseries was was better than the book, but I found it boring. My favorite version of the story so far is David Lynch's film. I I never thought I would say this because you you know what I think about the Lynch film. I mean, our opinion of it is prominently on display in Better Living Through Bad Movies. Yes. This made me nostalgic for the the camp uh, of that and and the -the over-the-top performance of Cod McLaughlin. Because if I had to see Timothy Chalamet just staring off at nothing while his hair does great things with the breeze. One more time. I, I, well, I would have taken it because I'm a pussy, but I, I wouldn't have enjoyed it. I wouldn't have liked it. There was so much time wasted in just silent reaction shots and the same desert vistas over and over again. It's like, ah, yeah, your CGI guys do nice model work. Kudos to you. Visually, the film was stunning, just like Blade Runner 20. I mean, Dennis Villeneuve is a phenomenal filmmaker from from a technical standpoint. He's he's a nice, he makes nice images. Yes, he makes nice images, but, and I'm going to go, I'm even going to go back to Blade Runner 2049 on this. I mean, I enjoyed Blade Runner 2049, but... I had issues with it, and Dune has just cemented my issues with him. I think Dennis is kind of a pretentious schmuck. Have you heard any of his interviews? I have not. And you realized he was a pretentious schmuck even without hearing him talk. That's impressive. Even during Blade Runner, like, and again, I enjoyed Blade Runner. I really did. I like Ryan Gosling. It was nice seeing Harrison Ford again. But the whole movie I'm watching going, wow, this guy thinks this movie is so much more important than it actually is. That's a problem. Also, he's terrible with actors. 
everyone in it gives the same boring performance, whether they're supposed yes. to be a replicant or not. Now, the only time I've ever seen that work... Dune was full of replicants, as far as I'm concerned. Do, do, yes, Dune was lousy with replicant-quality performances. But he likes people who, who don't have too many colors to their personality. He likes people who find something not too flashy on the grayscale and just go with that. For instance, I really liked Arrival. I thought it was smart sci-fi. It took a lot of risks in how low-key it was and how cerebral the storytelling was. Everybody in that gave the sort of performance where if their performance had been somebody's pulse rate and they were in surgery, the anesthesiologist would get concerned. They would say, we're losing them. I can't get a BP. That's pretty much how everybody acts in one of his films. And now in Arrival, it works perfectly because they're all scientists who are in over their head and coping with something literally beyond their ken. And for a long time, it looks like beyond human understanding. So I thought that was that was fine and appropriate, but does anybody speak above a monotone in that movie? I can't remember it happening. Harrison Ford was even more boring, I thought, in Blade Runner 2049 than he usually is. And he's one of our leading boring actors. He's done more for boredom on screen than I think many actors working today. You can definitely tell when Harrison Ford is working just for a check. Oh, please. It's like he seems like he hates being in movies. He hates acting. And he does as absolutely little of it as possible. If I ever worked on a movie with Harrison Ford, I would want to look at his contract just to see, okay, how much acting is he required to do? Any? Or does he just have to show up and get caught on camera? He's been in some movies where I'm convinced he didn't know he was in the movie. That they were pulling a bowfinger on him and filming him without his knowledge. That Hollywood homicide with Josh Hartnett. <laughs> yeah, that's probably the, the absolute gold standard for gives a shit Harrison Ford performances. I legitimately felt bad while watching Dune. Well, not not that I watched it on HBO Max. I would have been furious if I'd paid theater prices to see it. I'm not going to lie. Mm. But, um, but I felt bad because I feel like I should be enjoying this, you know, because this is Dune. It's the best thing ever. Blah, 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 blah. Halfway through the film, I'm like, I'm bored senseless. I feel like I could fall asleep. I am watching this because I said I would for the show. Fuck you, Scott. Oh, yeah, that was my idea. I, just want to, I did not want to watch it because I knew I wasn't going to like it. But I said I would take one for the team because you have taken one for the team as well. That's true. Scott, mm -hmm. we're even. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we are even. Until I come up with another one, we're, we're good to go. There is no more animosity on the movie choices here. So you think Dune is a one-to-one -one corollary to Vampire Happening? <sighs> okay, yes, because... Can you point out the comic relief in Dune who is equal to the one in Vampire Happening? Well, that's the thing. That's the thing. At least Vampire Happening provoked some sort of emotional reaction out of me, okay? At least I, there was a reaction in Vampire Happening. Dune, I felt like a replicant watching it. And on that note, we'll be right back after these commercial messages. Sex and the city is coming back. Fucking Nash Bridges is coming back. What the hell is going on? We now return to the Slumgullion. So what else have we seen, Scott? Ghostbusters Afterlife. Okay, yeah, I have not spoken to you at all about this one. I am very interested in your opinion. What did you think? Now, are we going to go spoilers? Since it just came out, there are some things we should talk about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
So here's what I think we'll do. Here's what I think we should do. Let's do non-spoilers for a little bit, and then we'll say goodbye to the people who want to go, and then we'll, we'll talk spoilers for the rest. How does that sound? That sounds fine, although pretty much every single thing you could spoil about the movie has been spoiled on Twitter already. Oh, it has? Oh, yeah. The day after I saw it, I got on Twitter, and there's several long threads about Afterlife, about Harold Ramis, because it was his birthday the day it, it opened. Oh, 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 So okay. there were a lot of All tributes, right. and people were posting pictures, screen caps. You know what? Fuck it. Okay, here's the deal. We will give you two sentences, maybe less, of non-spoilers, and then we're just going to go in. If you don't want to be spoiled, just turn us off right now. Have a good holiday. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Okay, a one or two sentence non-spoiler review, Scott. What would you say? I liked Phoebe, and I'm worried that if Finn Wolfhard's hair gets any bigger... He's going to have to wear a hairnet around jet engines or car doors. Yes, but he was so good in Dune. Oh, wait. Sorry, different hair. My bad. (laughs) It's the year of the boy hair. I've just declared it. (laughs) Oh, God. You know what that means. Boy bands are going to be coming back now. If we're getting boy hair, it's only a matter of time before boy bands. I feel like the Koreans have been kicking our ass in that area, and we really need to step up. That's true. K-pop, K-pop is a thing. But, I mean, okay, so you you, you like Phoebe, understandable, uh, but you're worried about... I just feel like if Finn Wolfhard's hair continues expanding at this rate, then eventually it will cover the earth and we'll all die. He's going to replace Joe Keery as the hair guy on Stranger Things. Yeah, because Joe's hair was, you know, reasonably under control in Free Guy. Yes, reasonably for him. Yes, for him. For him, (laughs) Okay, I am legitimately torn about Ghostbusters. This is what I will say about it. And remarkably, I can say the exact same thing about the TV series Lucifer, which I just did a uh, binge watch of and finished. I can give the exact same non-spoiler review. What it did right, I loved what it did wrong to me, I fucking hated with a livid, breathing passion, a burning of which is the size of a thousand suns. Your response sounds a lot more interesting than mine, so let's delve into that. Okay, I fucking hated the Harold Ramis cam- the Harold Ramis cameo. I hate it so much. I hate it. I hate it. It pissed me off. You realize you're in the minority of that because most people, at least on Twitter, were talking about how much they cried. No, I know. I know. No, I got yelled at in the theater because I even said loudly, are you fucking kidding me? That was the wrong thing to say. <laughs> yeah. That, to me, was just... Ah. And maybe it's because I am Grumpy McGrumpness. I mean, I was enjoying the movie. I did not go into the film thinking, I want to hate this. I didn't care. Like, I like Ghostbusters 2 better than the first Ghostbusters. I think Bill Murray's less rapey in the second one. <gasps> but... Well, he he doesn't slip her 100 cc's of Thorazine, so, yeah. Exactly. But I, I never I never had the nostalgia for Ghostbusters to the extent that some people have. I actually like the 2016 version, so there you go. You can send me even more hate. I'm fine with that. But I went into this film going, okay, give me a good movie. And, oh, my God, Phoebe was amazing. Mm-hmm. That child, I, I, I hope she has a long career. She nailed it. She was an interesting character. She was. I loved everything about her. Every moment she was on screen, I was completely invested. Oh, I agree. Another part of the problem was, and here we go into spoilers again still, why'd they bring back Gozer? I just like, I just, come on. You know, it reminded me, it reminded me of the fucking Force Awakens. Oh, look, another guest star. Hmm. This is the Ghostbusters version of Force Awakens, same fucking plot, basically. You're, you're exactly right. They, they are redoing the first movie as a torch-passing exercise, just like The Force Awakens tried to. Yeah. Another thing that they did that I was very, very happy with, 
Winston Zeddemore finally got some love. Finally. I mean, come on. I, honestly, if that end credit scene means something, fucking make him the main character of the next one. That'd be fine with me. Winston needs to have, like, they gave him something at least to do. Forget justice for Barb, justice for Winston. <laughs> I don't think he was that ill-used. On the posters. That's marketing. And no, he was not, because marketing departments, especially in the 80s, were convinced that foreign audiences did not want to see movies with black people in them. That was a thing that they believed fervently deep in their guts. And mm -hmm. frankly, they still believe it. If you see, say, how um, John Boyega was featured on the foreign Star Wars posters. Oh, I never even think about that. You're right. Wow. Of course, back then, I still remember after the first trailer, black people can't be stormtroopers. Oh, Jesus, right. Hey, they can be Ghostbusters. Why not stormtroopers? Exactly. And you know what? Oh, and again, I got to say, the way they shoehorned in who you're going to call. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think that's a problem. I like the new stuff. Hmm. Okay. I was interested by all the new stuff. I like Phoebe. I even like Paul Rudd. Mm-hmm. I like the setting. I didn't even mind podcasts. I know people find, think podcasts is kind of amusing. I'm like, you know what? He's, he's not too shabby. No. Uh, I mean, Fit Wolfhard had big hair, but he really didn't do much. He didn't. I, I wonder if he had more to do in the script that didn't make it into the final edit. I will say one thing just while I'm thinking about it. Podcast had the line that made me laugh the hardest while I was watching oh, okay. it. Which one? And it's, it's not a movie that is heavily laden with big laughs. That's not the tone they're going for. So he, he had two lines. The first one that amused me, he was talking about his podcast. He goes, you know, it really finds its voice in the 47th episode. I feel you, dude. I feel you. <laughs> and then, in, then at the end, when he gets covered with the marshmallow goo, he gets that role in the, the revival of the climax from Ghostbusters. And he's talking to Dan Aykroyd's character. Oh, yeah. So what's your podcast about? He starts talking to him about what, what he's listened to. And podcast goes, what? Wait, you're my subscriber? Yep. And, and I think I was the only one who laughed at that in the theater. So um, I, I was there representing the podcast community. There were a couple of laughs when I saw it. So I think there were a couple of podcasters. Uh, well, I mean, statistically, yes. One out of 10 people in this country is a podcaster, it feels like. <laughs> but I mean, and I mean, and I even liked the tone of the film. I liked the fact that it didn't need to be a comedy. It wasn't trying to be a comedy. It was just trying to tell a story. Well, I think and, if it had tried yeah. to be the same kind of comedy as the original or even the sequel, that would have been grotesque because they're, they're always pains to say, we wanted to honor the fans of the original. Yeah. We wanted to honor the original. So that's why we ripped it off and raped its corpse. However, there was an elegiac tone to it, building up to the Harold Ramis cameo at the end, or the Harold Ramis zombie at the end. Yes. I feel like if they had gone for 80s-style jokiness, it really would have been a clash of tones that I don't think the movie would have recovered from. So really? the fact that where they were going to was this valedictory farewell, I think jokiness would have seemed crass. And even though it didn't work for you, his appearance did work for a lot of people, and I think well, that would have and, compromised and it. I'm not saying they're assholes for getting it. I mean, I, I totally get it. I can see why that would work. Because I do understand nostalgia. Because, hell, I've, now I can't really stand The Force Awakens that much. But it worked for me when I first saw it. Because the nostalgia worked. Yes. You know, actually, I, really, I haven't seen it. Have you, did you rewatch it and find it unbearable? 
not unbearable, but nowhere near as entertaining the first time. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much the only Disney Star Wars films I can watch now are Rogue One, maybe Solo, and I and I like two thirds of the Last Jedi. Hmm. No, Force Awakens. I just I can't do anymore. I, I can't do it. I spent the entire time just going. This just feels ew. Yeah. <laughs> I feel icky watching it now because it just feels so. We need to bring you back in. We need to bring you back in. You, you must return. It just, yeah. It just everything about it feels calculated. It's kind of like your friend who you go over to his house and you're you're having a good day because it's six months sobriety and mm -hmm. you're feeling good about yourself. And he goes, "Oh, that's great!" And he pulls out some tequila. Let's celebrate. Yep. <laughs> But it didn't affect me as bad with Ghostbusters, maybe because I don't have as much of a strong attachment to it. Well, you were an adult when you saw Ghostbusters. No, it came out in, what, 84? The yeah. first one? Yeah. I was 14. I was an adult. Oh, okay. I was an adult. I, I was going to say, you are older than I am, Scott. Yeah, yeah. No, I keep forgetting that we've got that big age gap. Sometimes when we're talking, and I do forget that, and I, I make a reference to something that... I mean, you're very savvy about pop culture going way back. But I will drop a few things that I, I think you're unfamiliar with. And then I suddenly feel like Clint Eastwood in any movie where he has a love interest because they're, <laughs> there's usually a bit of an age gap. <laughs> oh, that is funny. So, no, actually, I mean, I should be the nostalgic for Ghostbusters because I was like the right age for that film. Yeah, you were. Uh, like I said, I actually enjoyed Ghostbusters 2 better when I saw it in the theaters. And that was entirely because of Peter McNichol. Peter McNichol was great in that. I mean, he was, he was uh, doing yeah, a Bron I, Bronson Pinchot, but he was nailing it. I mean, Janos was my favorite character in the sequel. And the line, why am I drippings with goo, still just gives me a giggle every time I think about that line. Like I said, I mean, I, I did. I was not, I did not go into this movie with any preconceived notions. I'm like, let's just see what this is. And every time it, when it was doing its own thing, I've had this conversation before, I think. When it was doing its own thing, Aladdin, that's what it was. When it was doing its own thing, I really enjoyed it. Oh, when that's it right. Yeah, you did You did say that about Aladdin, the live-action remake. I forgot. Yeah. Yeah. And when it was homaging or ripping off, however you want to call it, the um, original is when it just got irritating for me. I am genuinely glad that it has affected people so well. I'm glad you got something out of it. So don't send me hate, okay? I'm happy for you guys. Anybody who listens to, I, to this show knows that we don't begrudge anybody any pleasure they can wring from any form of entertainment. Just if you got something out of it, that's great. Sometimes what I get out of it is making fun of it. And, exactly. But, but that doesn't mean I think you're stupid. It's just it didn't work on me. I had problems... If you didn't have problems, that, that doesn't mean that you didn't see problems. That could mean that I'm seeing problems where there aren't any, or I'm just cantankerous, which we know is true. So whatever you love is great. Go on loving it. We're not trying to trash that. It's just that movies like this, they come with, with baggage that is entirely their own fault. I mean, the baggage they're dragging is all of the previous movies, the failures and the successes, so there's people who are interested in it because they love the old stuff or they, they love to hate the newer movie. And, and they're remaking it because they want more of that sweet, sweet Ghostbusters long green. So here's something that they just had to hand wave in the movie because they had to get everyone back because otherwise people go, oh, why didn't she come back? Why didn't he come back? So 
they have Annie Potts up here. Now, they spent a fair amount of time, not a huge amount, certainly certainly not equivalent to the Dana and Peter relationship, but there was a fair amount of time spent on the Egon and Annie Potts ship. And yes. it got very complicated. Now, life gets complicated. I don't begrudge them that. But they go, okay, she has to come back. And not just in the post-credit sequence. She has to be seen. So that means that rather than being the main character's mother, the, mo- the mother of the two children who were the main characters. Right. Rather than being her mother, she's some woman who had to introduce herself that she didn't know at all. So they had a relationship. It persisted to the point where she was basically taking care of Egon at the end when he was obsessed with the end of the world and she was making sure his bills got paid and all this. So she was looking Mm -hmm. after him. But she's not the one he married. She's not the one he had children with. So Mm -hmm. they invited all of that. That whole mess got into my head while I'm watching it. Me Did too. you too? Didn't help things I, at all. Nope. No, I thought the exact same thing. Now, okay, granted, no, they they also kind of set up, you know, Janine and Lewis kind of in a little bit as well. But I'm like, no, I always thought Janine and Egon always. <laughs> that was the major ship. So th- those are not exactly creative decisions. S- decisions taken in order to make the story work better or as best as it can. These were decisions that were partly marketing driven. They were driven by fan expectations or demands. Speaking of that, would you, can you explain to me the purpose of the mid-credit scene? The one with Dana, remember doing the, oh. uh, the ESP experiment on Bankman? Right, because the original Ghostbusters show up at the very end of the third act. There was no way they could shoehorn in Dana. However, they knew, one, people would be expecting and wanting her, and they knew that they would get a big woo moment if she did show up. So, again, that's marketing, that's fan service. I just wanted to hear it said because that scene was not cute to me at all. I'm just like, okay, this is just to make people go. And I thought it was really weird because her name popped up in the credits before the damn scene showed up. Oh, did it? I didn't, I didn't know. Uh, yes, I saw her name and I'm like, what the hell? I meant to cut to the scene. Oh, no, you know what? I did see that and I thought, oh, did she do one of the voices? I am Zool, or, or and then no, then she pops up for her post credit sequence. I, I mean, I, I get what she got a credit because she was playing her same character who has a name, yeah. but it's a little deceptive to have somebody in the credits for a movie when they don't appear in the movie, they appear in the post credit sequence, which is not part of the movie. I'm sorry, that that's not part of the story, but I mean, nobody cares about my rules. At least the scene with Winston tied into the story. Winston's scene actually tied into something. That scene literally was just, oh, look, here's Chewie getting the medal. Right. And again, I'm I'm glad the nostalgia the, the nostalgia worked for folks. I genuinely am. I'm kind of upset that it didn't get me in the feels. I wish it had gotten me in the feels. It did get me a bit at but, the end. It did. I have to. Okay. It did. Okay. I will say when the three of them showed up before we got Egon. Mm-hmm. The yeah. first time when you saw three of them in the proton box, I'm like, all right, that's cool. That, that, that okay, that works. <laughs> My biggest fear when I was watching it, and I, it got me in the feels, but it also worried me because I thought, dear God, are they going to have him speak? And yes, none of the yes. ghosts. Now, canonically, as I recall, ghosts don't speak in this universe. So I thought it unlikely, but it also worried me for two reasons. One, the whole Force Awakens Tarkin thing, which a lot of people loved. It creeped me the hell out. And I it remember that. bugged me that they got someone to do the voice who didn't sound anything, to my, in my opinion, like Peter Cushing. 
I mean, that, yes. they could have gotten someone to just give a rich, juicy, scenery-chewing read of those lines. That's what they needed, and that's what they failed to do. So I thought, okay, they either get someone to imitate Harold Ramis's voice, or they take audio clips of him from the various movies he's been in and try to piece them together and make lines like they did with Carrie Fisher in The Last Jedi, which was horrifying to me. I was going to say, not, that was Rise of Skywalker. That was Rise of Skywalker. My, my, my apologies. But then that whole movie was horrifying. Yeah, exactly. So it was really, it, was, it doesn't even stand out in its horror. It's, it's one drop in an ocean of horror. But they, they, <laughs> they were smart enough not to do that. He was just there. I liked the way they had his ghost communicating with Phoebe and then later Phoebe's mother, his daughter, by manipulating objects in their environment. Right. In fact, it was so well done when she discovers the proton pack and is trying to repair it that they actually seem to be having a conversation, even though it was just like he was a lamp. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and she was a person. I, I will agree with you on that. That, that scene was actually, that worked well. Yeah, you can actually see a lamp sort of get offended. She starts disassembling the proton pack and says, how did you build a cyclotron so small? And then the lamp whips toward the wall and shines a light on like 10 different college degrees. And she goes, oh, right, you're a genius. Okay. It's like, oh, okay. A Luxo lamp with attitude. I haven't seen that since that first Pixar shirt. And, you know, I understand... I get why they did the CG ghost. I mean, why they did him in CG. I get it. But part of me, and I know it wouldn't have been as emotional, but I kind of wish they would have just done that to the whole movie without the actual CG. Mm. I know it wouldn't have worked. It wouldn't have worked. But it's just, it just, it just when, he, when he popped up, it was like what everybody did with Tarkin, mm-hmm. or how most everybody felt with Tarkin, that's how I felt in that scene. Okay. It just immediately just 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 set me off. And again, I don't know why. It is what it is. Again, grumpy McGrumpnuts for a reason. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad it's doing well. I legitimately would like to see another one. Yes. I mean, apparently what they want to do with this is have different directors and different like they want to they still that Dan Eckhart still wants to get his Ghostbusters universe going, apparently. Interesting. All right. I mean, yeah, it's like supposedly like I know Jason Reitman has said he has no plans to do another one, mm-hmm. but um, he, he wants other people to do it. And Dan Aykroyd has said for the, for years that was his plan. He wanted to get like a Ghostbusters universe, different people telling stories all over the world in the same universe. Well, that would be fascinating to me because there's such a diversity of how ghosts are depicted in different cultures. Exactly. Well, oh, my God. Ghostbusters in Japan. Ghostbusters in China, uh, but they, they would have to have the hopping demons. Yes, here you go. Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. <sighs> Again, what I liked, I liked, just give, give us, and uh, what is the actress's name who played Phoebe? McKenna Grace. McKenna Grace, just give her all the roles for now. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, I think I saw her for the first time in Captain Marvel, where she plays Brie That's Larson right. at age 13 or something. Right, I forgot. She was. That. She's very good in an, in an Amazon Prime show called Troop Zero. Um, okay, and I think she's poised to basically just sort of take over the world uh, if she doesn't get destroyed by the entertainment industry. Yes, yes, and as long as she stays away from Timothy Chalamet's hair, she will hopefully survive. Right, but then you know that could give her a false sense of security. Well, I'm not near Timothy Chalamet's hair. It's it's probably fine. And then next thing she knows, she's she's in a dark void that is Finn Wolfhard's hair. <laughs> and then Joe Curie shows up to save them all. Exactly with his hair. It, it, yeah. <laughs> It's all about the hair, says the bald man. Okay, and one more thing. 
Okay, as a real quick introduction, I know absolutely, as I said, I said this on Twitter, I'm going to repeat it here. I know absolutely nothing about Cowboy Bebop. My anime knowledge is very limited. I know Star Blazers, I know Rooney Kenshin, and that's basically it, and maybe Attack on Titan. I know the name Cowboy Bebop, I know nothing about the storyline or anything at all. Netflix has put out a uh, live-action TV series, and the only reason I even checked it out is one of the writers happens to be former ass-jammy and guy who follows me and talks to me occasionally, Ubermensch Javier Griot-Marxwatch. Yep. And so I'm like, okay, he's writing. I have to check this out. I have not watched the whole season. I have watched a couple of episodes. Scott, you watched the pilot, correct? Yes, and I don't know that I really even intended to, because like you, I, I knew zero about Cowboy Bebop other than the title. There's a whole lot of anime from that era that I, it, it, that's a big vacuum for me. I, I probably should get better acquainted with it. And I, I had heard, without really going into great detail because I wasn't interested, that people who were huge fans of the anime were not terribly pleased by the uh, live-action adaptation. But again, it wasn't my universe, so I didn't care. And then Mary and I were sitting down to dinner, and I turned on the TV and Netflix came up and that was right in the splash page. It's okay. like, hey, try this. And she goes, oh, you want to try that? And I go, oh, sure, why not? And Mary's very much into that kind of thing. It gave her a bit of a, a Firefly vibe. Okay, yep, yep. And she really responded to that. So we're probably going to watch, well, we'll certainly watch the next episode when we get back, but we'll probably, if it goes as it has gone so far... We'll probably wind up watching the series because it doesn't conflict with any of my preconceived notions about uh, how an adaptation should work. And like you, I like Javi's work. Yes, Javi is a mensch. I mean, my God, the amount of, for those of you who don't know, Javi, and we can call him Javi. <laughs> um, of course, he lets everybody call him Javi. Puts online st studio pitches, story bibles, scripts. This man is a treasure trove of resources for the writer. Yes, he is. He is just one of the coolest guys around, and he created The Middleman, one of the greatest um, television shows ever in the history of history, period. Absolutely. And also, he's going to be working on The Witcher Season 3. Oh, that's right. I did hear about that. Yeah, and I'm like, okay, I was, I, I, I told him, I said, I watched The Witcher anyway, but now that I know that you're writing an episode, holy shit, man. Folks, if you don't know Cowboy Bebop, all I will say is, it's weird, it's wacky, and it's really fucking cool. If you do know the anime and you haven't watched the series yet, I genuinely don't know what to tell you if you can judge it on its own merits. Because on its own merits, it's a lot of fun so far. I think on its own merits, it's pretty cool. Yeah, not competing against anything else, which actually I think is what did in Ghostbusters in 2016. If that had been anything but Ghostbusters, people would have looked at it with fresh eyes and, and seen the value in it, seen the yeah. seen what it did well. Yes. Without feeling like it was destroying their childhood. So. And I'm telling you, if they had done that, Holtzman would have become an incredibly popular character. She was poised, I thought, to become the next Egon. I come back. No, that, exactly. Even, she should have been. Yes, she should have been. Personality-wise, I mean, uh, Holtzman was, Kate McKinnon, I believe her name is? Yep. She was the breakout. I mean, I liked all of them, but she was just like, that is awesome. Now, um, before we go, because this um, time dick, while he is gone, he still weighs heavily upon my soul, I would like to tell a story, Scott, if you don't mind. I, the floor is yours. Okay, so for those of you who don't follow the, the, any of the Twitter things, um, a movie 
that I was in back in 1997, shot on video in the deep, dark woodlands of Ohio. It is called Chupa. And in the film, I am the titular Chupa. And after 30-some years of being lost, it was discovered. And not only was it discovered, but it is available right now on Blu-ray at Walmart, a couple of different stores, and you can rent or buy it on Amazon even as we speak. Now, I have not gotten the film yet. <laughs> it's kind of funny. I didn't, not only did I not get paid for the film, but I got to buy my own copy. <laughs> uh. Actually, I don't mind. Uh, director dude said he was gonna he was gonna bring me he was gonna get me a copy. It's a matter of getting it to me. Mm -hmm. But I just I just I just think it's funny because I was gonna say I didn't want to be a dick, but I was gonna say, hey, since I never got paid, can I at least get a copy of the film? That's not being a dick. That's barely being assertive. It's been, it's been thirty years. You know what I mean? It's been thirty fucking years. I'm I ever thought the film was even gonna get released, so I'm not gonna bitch. But I do like whining about it. I'm not bitching. I'm whining. So it's okay. But anyway, um, I had said that on Twitter that I was going to post on Twitter why on the behind-the-scenes stuff on the Blu-ray I'm being a dick to the makeup man. Because apparently in the behind-the-scenes footage, according to the director, it's me being a jerk to the makeup man. And I'm like, I liked him. Why would I be such a dick? And I have finally figured out why. And I'm going to share the story with you. Oh, good, because I was very curious when I saw your tweet about that. <laughs> so, I was cast as the monster because I, even back then I was incredibly tall and incredibly skinny. And that's what they wanted for, for, for El Chupa. And Makeup Dude came out to my house first time. And he kind of showed me the design, what they were going for for the creature. And they did a, what do you call, a mold of my head. They did the whole mold head thing covering me in latex. Mm-hmm. Like to cover me in the whatever the shit they make the latex mold out of. You know what I mean? Plaster of Paris, usually, or maybe there's yeah, some. It wasn't plaster of Paris, but yeah, they used plaster of Paris as well. First, they put goo on me, mm -hmm. and then they did the then they did the wrap around it as well. So mm -hmm. yeah, I did I did get some of that, but I mean they they it was some weird goo as well. And me being claustrophobic, that was an absolute blast, let me tell you. But they did the, they got the headpiece, and I had one major night of filming. They tried to get all of my scenes in one time because the makeup was such a bitch, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And again, being no budget, they're like, okay, we've got you in full costume. We're going to get all these shots done tonight. So we had an all-night shoot, okay? So the day of the shoot, makeup man comes up to me, and we, we do the full body. I am covered in latex. You know, they put the head on me, my whole body just covered in this gooey stuff, and we do the shooting, and you see, nobody bothered to tell me that you should shave. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, I'm sorry. So, let's just say that, um, again, 27 years old, again, it was the eight, late 90s, um, nothing was shaved. It took me... Two and a half hours in the shower, scrubbing myself bloody to get that shit off. The sacrifices you make for your art. I found out, I was told that I should have shaved while we were shooting. So I am pretty sure that I was being a dick of the makeup guy because somebody else told me what he didn't tell me beforehand. Yeah. And yeah, they even said, okay, they even said, yeah, this is going to be a pain in the ass when to get this stuff off. Just take it slow and use really, really, really hot water. And let me tell you, slow, intense scrubbing and really, really hot water on your dick is not fun. 
No, that sounds like a terribly misjudged gay male porn movie. Seriously? <laughs> It'd be called Scrubbers with an exclamation point. It would show at the Arrows Theater on 8th Avenue. I can see it now. Made by the same guy who made Rubber. <laughs> there you go. Okay, that was a really bad combo of references there. <laughs> sure was. Let, let me share something with you that you might find interesting. Oh, boy. Well, you mentioned your problems as a claustrophobic person getting your head cast. W.C. Fields, who played Humpty Dumpty in yes. the motion picture adaptation of, of Alice in Wonderland, had such severe claustrophobia that he could not even wear a ring. So they brought him in to have a mold of his head so that he, they could build the egg shape around it. Mm -hmm. And he freaked the hell out had a grand mall panic attack. And they go, all right, do we just replace him or what? And I read this anecdote in uh, Michael Westmore's book, and it was one of his brothers. It might have been Purse Westmore. I can't remember. They Usually what they do is they just put two straws up your nose, and then they yep. slap the plaster on and then start molding it. And you can't, you can't see, you can't hear, and you can only breathe through these two straws. And I mean, it's cold as shit, too. It's cold. Oh, interesting. Okay. I mean, I have a certain amount of claustrophobia. It's not that bad, but I, I think that would activate it. So the makeup artist figured out a way to to only cover half his head at a time. And you think, like, how, is oh, wow. that, how is that even going to match? But it was this elaborate, like, chicken wire frame he made. And it just, it just, so Fields had one half. He, he could use one nostril, one eye, one ear. While it was going to any court, you know, as you know, it takes hours to do that. And you got to let yeah. it harden. You can't move it. So I'm sure it was a huge ordeal for him anyway. I mean, it's an ordeal for someone who isn't claustrophobic. But I got to say, that was an amazing feat of ingenuity and creativity. And I, I give Fields props for being a trooper. That, that, you know, that really is so, cool. Now, I am proud of myself. I did not have a panic attack per se, but I can't lie when it was when my head was completely covered. For, like when it was finally completely covered mm -hmm. and I was just in it for about 30, but I remember this for like maybe a half a minute. I was freaking out a little, but uh. then it was like, okay, deep breath, <laughs> breathe through the nostrils, breathe out through the nostrils. We're good. Okay. Just, just to, to quote, to quote clue, deep breaths, deep heaving breaths. <laughs> <laughs> and there may be other Chupa stories coming down the line, but yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what it is. And I do got to say, I watched the trailer on Amazon, mm -hmm. and um, there's a lot more of me in the trailer than I was expecting. I thought the same thing when I watched it. And I'm pretty sure that's all the footage of me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Although I don't know. I mean, I genuinely, I don't remember how much we shot of me. You know, I mean, I know it was mm -hmm. all night, but I honestly don't know how much I'm going to be in the film. But uh, as I was watching the trailer, all I kept thinking was so many theater people. That's why I keep making that joke. The entire cast is theater people. And you kill a large number of them, which is, yeah, I'm a theater person. And that warms my heart. Because... <laughs> We, we love each other and we're giving each other back rubs, but dear God, do we want each other to die. <laughs> but So, yes, if you're interested, um, we got one review, by the way. The oh, first did you? review has come out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's Horror Society. Um, the director passed it out and he was like, it was okay. 
We really? did not get a. It wasn't a great review. It wasn't a horrible review. It was like it was okay. He liked the actors. Apparently, they liked the makeup work. There is one special effect at the end that's apparently horrible. Uh, okay, no clue. Hope it's not me. <laughs> but no, we did. We got a decent review. So, you folks out there, if you want to see a movie that's been lost for 30 years, a shot on Shidio. Uh, Koopa is available in Walmart and on Amazon Prime now. Now, on Amazon, you don't get the special features, but it's really, really fucking cheap. So Yes, it's $1.99 to rent. And like $1.99 to rent, and I think four bucks to buy. $7.99. I'm, I'm looking at the page okay. right now. Okay, yeah, because it's, it's, in, it's in standard definition, but it was shot on Shidio, so take that for what it is. Blu-ray is uh, twenty one ninety nine, DVD sixteen ninety nine. There you go. So please feel free, um, check it out. It could be fun. It could be Manos. I don't know yet. Well, here's the thing. Mary has wanted to do Frankenfish for the show. Yes. And I, we talked about this, and yes. I said, God, Frank Chupa. Yeah, I feel like we should do kind of a double feature. Oh, I'm totally down with that. Excellent. Yes, Frankenchupa. Right. <laughs> See, that works as a title, too. Yes, it does. And I like Frankenfish, so this will be fun. <laughs> uh, that is a who. But yes, yeah, so so it is there. I'm seriously thinking about doing a commentary track. Oh, you should. You absolutely should. There are, two, there are two commentary tracks on the blue. I'm thinking about trying to find a way of recording one and just giving it to the website. Saying, Here you go. Here's one from the monster. <laughs> And then just MSTing the movie the whole entire time. Ooh, that could be fun. Ooh, I, I, I think I think I might like to be part of that. We'll see what happens. Okay, I, I, uh, that, this could. Okay, folks, let me ask you this: Do you think this is a good idea? Would you guys be interested in this? Um, you know our Twitter handles. If you don't, I am the Slumgullion. Scott Clevenger is Scott Clevenger. Uh, send us messages, or you can email us at what's the email address, Scott? The Slumgullion at AOL.com. And why is it AOL? Because AOL is a wasteland, a howling wilderness. There's nothing there. Plenty of room for your mail. I love running gags. So please email us. Let us know. And maybe I'll maybe I'll do a full-blown commentary track with Scott. But anyway, it is officially time to go. Bye-bye. We are past our exceeded bandwidth for the day. <laughs> so from all of us, well, from both of us, to all of you, Scott, have a wonderful time in Hawaii. Thank you. Tell John and Blanche that I said howdy. And everyone else, have a wonderful meal with your families, and we'll see you later.